Welcome to Concord Matters, a show seeking for Concord, agreement in Christian confession. Concord mattered to Jesus and Paul, and so it does to us also. Spend these next 60 minutes as we talk matters of Concord. Concord Matters, a program produced by the Christ-centered leader in confessional broadcasting. Worldwide KFUO, online at kfuo.org. Good afternoon and welcome to Concord Matters here on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. We're coming to you live on this Tuesday, February 19th from the International Center of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod here in St. Louis. I am your host for this program. I'm Pastor Charles Henriksen. I'm the pastor of St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Bonterre, Missouri. If you wish to find out more about our congregation there, go to our website, stmatthewbt.org. Today we're going to be talking about monastic vows from the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, which is not just a problem back in the 1500s, but it has implications also for today. If you'd like to participate in our program today, we have a toll-free number all across North America. That number is 800-730-2727. Again, 800-730-2727. Locally here in St. Louis, the number is area code 314-821-0850. Again, 314-821-0850. If you wish to uh, send us your comments or questions by email, our email address is kfuo at kfuo.org. Uh, we have two guests in the studio today who have been on this program before. Let's start to my immediate right, and it is Pastor Mark Sell, the pastor of our Savior Lutheran Church in Fenton, Missouri. Welcome, Mark. Greetings. Good to see you again, Pastor Henriksen. Yeah, we just saw each other this morning. We have a Tuesday morning sermon study group that meets here in St. Louis. We get about a dozen pastors usually. And uh, so we were locking horns this morning over a text oh, yeah. of oh, Holy yeah. Scripture. Keeps that, life interesting, doesn't yeah, it? How to preach, how to preach that sure sort of does. thing. All right. Yeah, the, uh, Tell us about just, our Savior in Fenton. Yeah, our Savior is, uh, we're in Fenton, Missouri, and uh, we're southwest of St. Louis. And we have a daycare and preschool that goes and then all the way up through eighth grade. And, uh, a preschool so, through eighth grade? Yep, yep, two-year-olds. <laughs> Slow kids. <laughs> yeah, two, yeah, that's right, exactly. Yeah, so we have uh, two-year-olds all the way through, through eighth grade. Through eighth grade. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it's a nice congregation there. I've been there before. Yeah, so, you're going to be good. back, too, I understand. Yes, I'll do, we're doing a, a round-robin series uh, for Lent midweeks, and so... Uh, Cell's going to come to Bontier. I'm going to get to Fenton, and I'll get other places as well. Well, I'm counting you. To, I'm counting on you to correct all my heresy. So. Okay, that that'll that they may say, oh, take good. more Pastor than one Hendrickson's service. Pastor Hendrickson's coming back. We're going to get the <laughs> truth finally. And uh, your website for your church? Oh, it's OurSaviorLCS.org. OurSaviorLCS.org. And I bet people could get their children enrolled in your school for the fall. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've got, uh, it's interesting because the two-year-olds and three-year-olds, uh, I think we only have two spots left there. Okay. And um, so the other grades? And and the, we got room in the other grades. And the nice thing is we're running out of room. So That's we're good. talking about having to. Flourishing. Uh, yeah. We're going to have to do some rearranging and. Good. 
That's Maybe a good problem to building have. soon. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And uh, our other guest uh, heading his way toward Asia. Uh, although, let's see, are you what direction are you in right now? You're heading. You're going to the west. Well, I guess you would go to the west. You're seated west in the studio yeah. here. But where are you going, Matt Wood? I am being sent to Maidan, Indonesia. It's the. It's on the west side. Sorry. The it's on the west, east side. Yeah. No, it's on the west side of of uh, never eat soggy waffles. Yeah, it's on the west side of Indonesia. <laughs> well, but on the island of Sumatra. Yeah, it's on the east side of the island of Sumatra. I, yeah. believe it or not, have been in Medan, Indonesia. I taught a pastor's conference there seven years ago, and now you're going there full-time as a Correct. missionary with your yep. family, your lovely family. Yep, I'm going as an international pastor to help the Indonesian Christian Lutheran Church uh, strengthen their their faith and their commitment to the gospel and and their with, service to their neighbors with your yeah. wife uh, uh, Callie and your two children Lauren yeah. and Elizabeth <laughs> Laurel Lauren and, and Eleanor Lauren Laurel Eleanor don't worry about it there were Laurel, vowels in both words Laurel <laughs> you're, you're and okay. Eleanor yep. you know we we men have trouble with the uh, remembering all the names yep. you just do you ever say like Callie, Laurel, Eleanor, and run down to the roster until yeah, you yeah. get the right one? Yep. Yes. I call Eleanor Laurel all the time. Okay. <laughs> so you're going to be leaving, actually, the country, like on March 6th. How can yep. people get involved in helping uh, Matt Wood and family with uh, missionary support? The easiest way to support us is to sign up for our newsletters, and you can do that by visiting our family website, theseaside.asia. The SEA side dot Asia. And that are we call it the C side because C S E A stands for Southeast Asia, which is oh, where we okay. will be serving. The Seaside dot Asia. You can follow our ministry there and sign up for our newsletters. To partner with us financially, you can go to lcms.org slash wood and follow the directions there to support us financially. Yeah, I think it's an exciting prospect. I was over there in Indonesia, in Medan on Sumatra, mm -hmm. seven years ago, and uh, we're working to develop a relationship with a partner church there and uh, some good pastors there. Yes, yes. Very good. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, this I told you, Matt, when uh, I asked you to be on the program, I said this will be a perfect send-off for Matt Wood as you embark on your journey to earn points before God. Right, because we all <laughs> know that you get more points for every mile away from home you move. Yeah. yeah. So this really does relate to our topic today Correct. of monastic vows, because that was kind of the impression uh, that was being given in the Roman Catholic Church in, in the 1500s, that uh, there were certain vocations, certain callings that you could do that earned you points before God mm -hmm. over and above just the ordinary life of a Christian. And uh, so there is a, a, a related problem here, and people still have that sort of idea that there are things you can do to earn points before God. So this topic is called monastic vows. This is in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, which is a, a defense of it in response to the Roman Catholic confutation. And in the uh, original Augsburg Confession, there was an article on monastic vows that this is one of the abuses uh, that uh, the Lutherans had been reforming, uh, and they explained why they had uh, done away with monastic vows as they were practiced at that time. So, Pastor Sell, what are monastic vows? What's meant by this term monastic? 
and what were the vows that were involved? Well, the, the vows were a, a, a series of promises that you made, and uh, you had to make them in order to get through the religious order, that's uh, like a religious organization, and you had to keep these promises, and where it all went wrong, because after all, Lutheran pastors, we take ordination vows, too. We do take vows. We so take vows not... in different contexts, right? Exactly. I mean, Confirmation marriage. Vow. Right. If you're going to serve on a jury or to give witness in a courtroom, marital vows, yeah. uh, baptismal vows, you know, there's, mm-hmm. that's all part of it. So mm-hmm. it's not that we're against vows. The problem was the monastic uh, life that they were required to live became part of their works righteousness system. Mm-hmm. So uh, kind of joking about what you were joking about earlier. So, the, of course, the missionary gets more points towards right. heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they would they would they fell into the trap that, well, now, if you go into a monastic order, if you take these vows of poverty, these vows of chastity, etc., these are more points for you. Yeah. And so that you will gain more of a way to get to heaven. And uh, uh, Pastor Wood, um, what what is meant by monastic vows? What is what is this monastic part of it mean? Well, the monasteries were communities or orders that you could join uh, that were set apart for religious observance. And there were several things. There were several different communities or Different orders? Uh, di- orders that you could join. For example. Luth- would... Luther was an Augustinian monk, and okay. there was the Franciscans and the Benedictines, Benedictines. And, and all of them had their own kind of regulated focus yeah. and, and things Emphasis. like that. Yep, and so you would take your vows in one of the monasteries, and and these were understood as lifelong vows. Um, tantamount to, to marriage there was no do you remember the going three back. primary vows i don't you you yeah. alluded to two of them cell the uh would be celibacy yeah. would be one of them poverty yeah and obedience 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 now right. we as lutheran pastors we need to take a vow of poverty no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh so uh, those were the three primary vows, poverty, obedience to your abbot, uh, mm-hmm. uh, your superiors, um, and uh, celibacy or chastity uh, uh, were the three main vows in these different orders. And that would be like our vows to our district presidents, isn't it? No? <laughs> obedience? No? Oh, no, maybe not. Well, I think as Lutherans, <laughs> we have to do the exact opposite. If someone says you need to be obedient to earn eternal life, then then we're... <laughs> obligated to do the opposite, That's which right. explains a lot of our oh, yeah. situation. Right. Oh, yeah? Watch this. <laughs> now, uh, Pastor Wood, I'm you mentioned... Married. That's it. I'm getting that, married. Uh, Martin Luther was a had been, he started out as a monk in the uh, Augustinian order. Um, my favorite Martin Luther movie is the 1953 black and white mm-hmm. one, which dramatically portrays his life in the monastery and and... Uh, what was his experience? So he knew what he was talking about when when they right. did the uh, the expose of what's going on in the monasteries and the problems therein. What was Luther's experience in the monastery? The monastery really drove Luther to d- despair. Uh, we know the story. He was fleeing from a storm. He hid under a tree and he he cried out and he promised that he would join. St. Helen? St. Anne. St. Anne, sorry. He, he cried out and promised that he would join a monastery if he 
would be were spared. saved from, and you can already see almost the economic the bargaining bargaining thing that's going on. Do this for me, and I'll I'll pay you back. And so he fulfilled his vow, and it all from there all became just one. What he was a monk how of monks. Sus- right. He was how like the sincere, Pharisees. How sincere can you be? He had to prove himself, not just to his abbot or to his leaders, but he felt like he had to prove himself to God. And nothing. And and but he knew his own heart, and so he knew he was never sincere. Or when he he didn't love God enough. Right, right. He knew that he wasn't pure enough, and he thought, or the the monastic life taught him that if you don't feel pure, continue to make vows, continue to do works, try harder, and and earn your way out of it. And that never worked for Luther. Yeah. Well, I don't think it works for anyone. Yeah. I, I think when right. people. Uh, when people some take, people can buy the lie longer, and and Luther, good. it just never he was never his spirit was never sold on it, even if his intellect did buy the lie for a while, mm-hmm. right? Because it, I mean, it just becomes so uh, depressing or uh, prideful. And you the, can go in either direction. You think you're true. doing better. That's very than others. true. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Then you become the better Christian. That's why. That's why. Let's let's face it. Let's face it, Pastor Henriksen. We know the better Christians sitting here today. Is our brother Matt? I don't know. I've known him for a long time. Yeah. Oh, oh, then oh, well, you know a lot more than you know. I if do, the Minnesota then, so. Wild are struggling in a hockey game, yeah, that's right. Right. oh yes, yes, you don't want to be in the same room with me. <laughs> the Twins losing to the Yankees again in the playoffs—that'll get me going too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All more, right, more sin to repent of. Right. right. So just we we uh, the the guys before the last couple of programs got us started in this article, and so just briefly to review some of the high points in paragraphs one through twenty, uh, Melanchthon talks about the many abuses in the monasteries. You know, they they pledge uh, poverty, yet they're always they're lazy and they're just expecting a handout from other people. He doesn't. He says we won't even go into the sexual uh, abuses that were happening in the monasteries, and we see similar thing with the vow of celibacy for men who do not have that gift. It's going to lead to scandals. Um, I'm just wondering: is the, the, the Jesuit community isn't that isn't that in order too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So and they, they're big the, here in St. Louis. In colleges, their big emphasis is mm-hmm. yeah. you know they have Loyola in Chicago and they have St. Louis University. Right. I was going to say SLU is yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesuit. Yeah. So that's been, and and now that raises a good point. Have monasteries? Can monasteries and and different orders, religious orders, serve a good purpose? Have they ever served a good purpose? Either uh, one of you. Yes. Go ahead, <laughs> Matt. I mean, well, we'll get to it here. But where the where the vows are pure, or where the I mean, they have. There's nothing wrong with a dedication to pray more. Mm-hmm. And to to learn more about God and His Word and His work among us in the world, there's nothing wrong with uh, a dedication or a commitment to do that more. But is that commitment a forced or be thought to make to make you more more holy? Those that's where it all it all falls apart. And it is is it an escape from your responsibility yes, toward your neighbor, yeah. or is it in service to your neighbor? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Melanchthon makes the point that originally these monasteries were schools for Christian instruction, right. and they did mm-hmm. serve a good purpose. Um, and and there are examples I know where they do great artwork or uh, preserve uh, learning. You know, they were scribes for mm-hmm. manuscripts and things, so they had served some good purposes, but the, Melanchthon says they had deteriorated. 
But the big question is about monastic vows. Are these vows legitimate and are they meritorious? And uh, those two things about legitimate and meritorious is the argument here. And uh, uh, Melanchthon is saying that anything that is perceived as meritorious, you're going against the gospel of Christ. So that's covered all in paragraphs 1 through 20. And now we're going to dig a little deeper, uh, starting in paragraph 21. We're in the reader's edition of Concordia, the Lutheran Confessions, reader's edition of the Book of Concord. We're in article 27 of uh, the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, beginning in paragraph 21. I'm going to read paragraphs 21 and 22. So he's already made the first point, and now he comes to a second one. Second, religious exercises, obedience, poverty, and celibacy, provided the latter is not impure, are adiaphora. Therefore, the saints can use them without impiety, just as Bernard, Francis, and other holy men use them. They use them to restrain the body so that they might have more freedom to teach and to perform other godly offices. Not that these works themselves are by themselves works that justify or merit eternal life. Finally, these exercises are of the type that Paul says bodily training is of some value. 1 Timothy 4 verse 8. It is believable that in some places there are also currently good men engaged in the ministry of the word who use these exercises without wicked opinions. So these religious exercises he talks about, obedience, if that's seen as by human arrangement, uh, in, in a hierarch, uh, and an ordered, let's put it, an ordered churchly life, uh, poverty, uh, celibacy. Melanchthon is saying there can be good uses of this, mm-hmm. but he says they're adiaphora. What does that mean, Pastor Sell? An adiaphoron is something that's neither forbidden nor commanded in Scripture. So in other words, it's up to you. In your freedom as a Christian, you can participate in these things. It's okay to be obedient. I mean, uh, even though we were joking earlier about our district president, but as the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, we do agree that that we are part of our constitution and bylaws and part of our walking together and confessing the faith and things like that. And so we do want to be obedient and we don't purposely want to undo what we as Lutheran Church Missouri Synod stand for and confess. Um, the, uh, the, the poverty and the celibacy, when we, when we participate in those things, we do it voluntarily that we will not uh, we will set aside funds, or we will give, or we will set back and say, I only need enough to get by this year. Yeah, uh, to, to devote of more of it to help the needy or to help our church. Exactly, exactly. And the same with celibacy. The uh, For those who have the gift of celibacy, it's a blessed thing. I always uh, remind people what a blessing it. It sounds terrible. But there's that side. If you don't have a family, you are really freed up from tons of responsibility. Mm-hmm. So if you're married and you have children, well, God has called you to be a father and a husband as well as God has called you through the congregation to be a pastor. So your life becomes very complicated. But those who believe they have the gift of celibacy and they could remain pure, um, what a blessing that is to the church, because you you usually see just how much more they can produce. I you see this a lot in those who who um, who write 
and can teach and educate where and travel life mm-hmm. and travel where their whole life can be dedicated to incredible work st paul being the primary example right. exactly. he was given the gift but it's it's not a normal uh in our wiring to uh not have desire for someone of mm-hmm. the opposite sex. So if you don't have that gift, you run into all kinds of problems when you artificially try to suppress that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You want to right. elaborate on that, Pastor Wood? But you're not taking really. your wife. <laughs> you're taking your wife and two children right. with you. Yep. So I'm guessing you do mm-hmm. not have the gift of celibacy. Nope. Nope. Yeah, but you're doing it in right. a married state, and that's good. I will add with these vows. One one thing that we still in Lutheran circles will have something like this with our Lenten observances. Yes. And I think it's important with our Lenten observances. I think a lot of people can get annoyed with, you know, their neighbor. Uh, I gave up this and then they're kind of this weepy mopey. Well, I can't have that cause it's Lent. That's not the point of Lenten vows. The point of our, 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 uh, um, fasting during Lent is to open up freedom or budget or time to focus on the word of God, right? And so if you give up... Or calories. Or calories. (laughs) Well, if you give up up a certain food, then the money you spent on that food, maybe you can increase your donations to church. Or if you give up doing a certain activity, the time you had spent doing that activity, you can dedicate to prayer. And so, I mean, that's part... And just to keep Mm -hmm. your bodily desires in check right as he says bodily training is yeah. of mm-hmm. some value to say i'm not going to be mastered by my appetites right so mm-hmm. that's sort of a voluntary self-restraint mm-hmm. to show that uh i'm not going to be enslaved by anything right with god's help mm-hmm. of course then we last five days and then we get back on the sugar and right. the carbs and that, <laughs> and that well and what that does is 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 helps us live a life of repentance yeah because right? you tried to give up something that you don't even have to yeah. And and you couldn't do it. How about all the sin in your life that you're trying to And not just give giving up. up right? I think for Lenten discipline, not only give up something, but to take on something right. mm-hmm. of, of positive value in its place is mm-hmm. a good thing. But again, these are adiaphora. They're not commanded, nor are they forbidden by God in Scripture. They can be good exercises voluntarily entered into as long as you think you're not gaining points with God right. by mm-hmm. doing them. And that was the problem with the monastic vows at that time. All right, let's go on to paragraph 23. And I want our guests here to look for three different conflicts that he lists here in paragraph 23. Um, But to hold that these exercises are justifying services because they are counted just before God and through which they merit eternal life conflicts with the gospel about the righteousness of faith. This gospel teaches that for Christ's sake, righteousness and eternal life are granted to us. It conflicts also with Christ saying, In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men, Matthew 15, 9. It conflicts also with this statement, Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin, Romans fourteen twenty three. But how can the adversaries affirm that God approves these services as righteousness before him, when they have no testimony in God's word. So Melanchthon has here this phrase, it conflicts with. Three times I counted here. What are some of these that you saw in this paragraph? Either one of you. Well, the first one, it con- it conflicts with grace, right? Paul says, if you're getting paid, it's 
it's a wage. It's not mm-hmm. a gift. And that's okay. the first one. And what's another one? Well, that they are justifying that uh, they're making you holy before God. Okay. That's and the same that, thing. And then the second one, he says, it conflicts with Christ saying, teaching this doctrine, the commandments of men. Oh, so so it's well, about these are man-made commandments. They're not even commandments of God. And then the third one, that they're not proceeding from faith. They're done under compulsion. Right. You don't have to believe in Christ, and these works still count, is Ex what the claim opera, is. Operato, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So those are some of the problems that uh, Melanchthon uh, lists here with the monastic vows. We're going to come back to more in just a moment. And I think we're coming up on our break at the bottom of the hour. You are listening to Concord Matters here on KFUO. I'm Pastor Ken Bomberger. Join me weekday mornings at 7.15 for Oratio, your time of scripture, meditation, and music on KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. This is the day which the Lord has made. For the lonely and homebound, for the grieving and dying, and for all those who are afflicted in body, mind, and spirit, especially for... Join us for a live broadcast of Chapel at the LCMS International Center weekdays at 10 a.m. on KFUO. In a day when numerous concerns about money and safety abound in this fallen world, there is still a beacon of hope in Christ Jesus spreading the gospel message of mercy. Worldwide, KFUO has been a good steward of donations, ensuring the safety of funds our listener-supported ministry receives. If you have questions about donating to keep this worldwide ministry healthy, send an email to gifts at kfuo.org. The story of Worldwide KFUO is a tale of technology. Radio was new in 1924 when KFUO was born to serve Christ the Savior. Now, KFUO is still finding new broadcast technologies so we can spread the gospel to the world via the web, smartphones, tablets, and new intelligent speaker devices. And when the next big thing is unveiled, we'll be there too. Broadcasting the good news at the forefront of technology. We are Worldwide KFUO. December 5, 1955. Martin Luther King launches the bus boycott in Montgomery, Alabama. That was the day that we started a bus protest which literally electrified the nation. Four days earlier, when Rosa Parks, an African-American woman, refused to give up her seat on a bus for a white passenger, she spearheaded a movement that ultimately ended segregation on buses in the South. In 2013, at the dedication of a statue honoring Rosa Parks at the U.S. Capitol, then-President Barack Obama said, Ms. Parks, alone in that seat, clutching her purse, staring out a window, waiting to be arrested. For now, we see through a glass darkly, Scripture says. We so often spend our lives accepting injustice, 
tolerating the intolerable. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. We are back on Concord Matters. I'm your host, Pastor Charles Henriksen. Two other pastors in the studio with me today, Mark Sell of Our Savior in Fenton, and Matt Wood about to go off to be a missionary in Indonesia. And we're talking about uh, Article 27 of the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, Monastic Vows, and we're going to pick it up here on Paragraph 24. Well, thanks for asking. Uh, OurSaviorLCS.org. Okay. okay. Good. Thank Another you. plug That's in there. Exactly. <laughs> We've got a two-year-old program all the way through eighth grade. And uh, just wanted to make sure I got that Oh, in you there. did. That's very right. good. It makes my elders very happy. Yeah, yeah. And my school. All right. Paragraph 24. See how impudent the adversaries are. Not only do they teach that these exercises, the monastic exercises are justifying services, but they add that these services are more perfect, that is, meriting more the forgiveness of sins and justification than do other kinds of life. Here many faults and deadly beliefs agree. The adversaries imagine that they observe basic rules and counsels. Afterward, these generous men, dreaming that they have the merits of superabundance, sell these to others. These things are full of Pharisaic pride. It is the height of ungodliness to hold that these merits satisfy the Ten Commandments in such a way that merits remain, while such basic rules as these accuse all the saints. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, Deuteronomy 6.5. Likewise, you shall not covet, Romans 7.7. 7. The prophet says all mankind are liars, Psalm 116, verse 11. That is, uh, not thinking rightly about God, not fearing God enough, not believing him enough. Therefore, the monks falsely brag that the commandments are fulfilled in the obedience of a monastic life, and more is done than what is commanded. So what's the problem here um, with these extra monastic vows over against what Melanchthon's saying they're not even keeping? What are they assuming they're already, oh, we've done that. Oh, I've kept all these since I was a youth, Pastor Wood. Yeah, so the whole theory, if they have the the superabundance of works, is that they're... Wouldn't that make a great commercial? The superabundance of works. That's right. And if you come to church this week, you'll get superabundance. It's a Tide commercial. That's right. But wait, there's more. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> so so they, they believe that, the, that they've fulfilled all requirements and that they're doing more. And so to, to believe that you've filled all requirements means that you've kept the Ten Commandments and you've you've perfectly fulfilled love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And now they're doing these extra you things. You got bonus points. Right, extra and they're credit. getting bonus points, yeah. So that that's being completely rejected here. And that whole idea is completely against the Scriptures. I mean, if you read what Paul says as he's interpreting the Psalms, uh, the God looked down from heaven and behold, there's no one righteous, no one who does good, that no one who seeks that after God. Catena of verses right. in Romans three, right. where he's saying that through the law comes knowledge of sin. Mm -hmm. That ain't going to get you the righteousness of God. Right. And yet yeah. these fools, let's call them fools, boast that not only they just assume, oh yeah, we ten commandments, no big deal. We got more. Mm -hmm. We're doing even more than that. Well, this comes from. We as Lutherans, when we grow up with the small catechism, the small catechism comes off very clear in the meanings of the commandments. 
this, the, the commandments, here's what you shall do, and they're all rooted in the fear and love of God. Uh, this commandment forbids, and then it also commands. All right? And the, the Catholic Church, well, any pharisaical understanding of the Scriptures is going to narrow those commandments as far as they can. Right, So thou shall not murder doesn't mean I need to help my neighbor in every physical bodily need. It means don't kill your neighbor. And I haven't so it's a, min- a minimalist right. understanding of the Correct. law, Very minimal, whereas Jesus right. amps it up. Right. You know, mm-hmm. you've heard that it was said, but I say unto right. you, you know, yeah, anyone who's angry yeah, has yeah, already, yeah. anyone who looks at, uh, at a woman with lust has already committed. Adultery. I think of that right. rich young ruler also, Pastor Sell, you know, where Jesus, he asked Jesus, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And what does Jesus say? You know, the commandments. And then what does the young man say? All, All of these, these I have kept from my youth. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but he, he really had it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the, well, the perfect example there. Well, too then is... the, actually, the Roman Catholics then quote that and saying, "If you want to be perfect, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor right. and come follow me." And they take that verse out of context and actually work it against Jesus' meaning right. to support monasticism. Right. Jesus was knocking the guy down. No, you haven't kept all these from your. Youth. You got to do this evangelical right. counsel. Yeah, yeah. You're, well, what I what gets looked over in that passage a lot is the rich man says, "Good teacher, what must I do?" Yeah. And Jesus says, "Why, why you are you calling me, call me good? good? No one is good. Don't you know the commandments?" And when he says, "Don't you know the commandments?" Jesus is backing up the fact that no one is good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it goes over the rich man's head. Yeah. And he says, wait. But he just says right up, oh, yeah, all those yeah. commandments, sure, I've kept those. Yeah. And no sweat on that. I just want to know what's the secret formula beyond mm-hmm. that. So, yeah. All right. Uh, let's go on to paragraph uh, 26. Uh, this is also false. Monastic observances are works of the councils of the gospel. The gospel does not advise about distinguishing clothing and meats and the giving up of property. These are human traditions about which it has been said, food will not commend us to God, 1 Corinthians 8, verse 8. Therefore, they are neither justifying services nor perfection. Indeed, when they are presented covered with these titles, they are mere uh, teachings of demons. Um, So, Pastor Sell... uh, uh, are these things like uh, what uh, distinguishing clothing and meats, giving up property? Are these uh, even things that are commanded by God? No. To give up property? Yeah, or to 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 not eat meat or? Oh something. no no no! Of course not. Like and, you're not supposed to eat meat in on Fridays, like on Fridays or something and Lent like that. or something like no, that. No, they're not commanded by God at all. And I think uh, what's interesting is he he twists it around and really throws um, a dart into the heart of people who want to even start hinting that these then become something good that you're doing in the sense of. You're gaining some forgiveness, and he says these are teachings of demons. Yeah, so the he goes to the foods. Yeah, right. He turns it completely around. It's not just trying to do something good. It's not just trying to make your priest happy, your pastor happy. It's an issue that now you become a tool of Satan, mm-hmm. and and that's pretty that's pretty damning. Yeah, yeah these are kind of like the elemental principles that St. Paul talks about the, uh, that pagan religions have. This, uh, this uh, asceticism as though you are more pleasing to God uh, by doing these things. Right, and, and it's, um, 
it's like we were saying earlier is that you want to uh, you want to simplify your list of commands so you could accomplish them. And once you start doing that, when you when you talk about the law of God and being able to stand before God, you you must be absolutely holy. Mm-hmm. So that you realize your only hope is the pure mercy and forgiveness that Christ our Lord has earned for you. Otherwise, everything else, you're just you're just teaching with the demons. Yeah, yeah, right. Pretty uh, harsh. It is, yes. Paragraph 27. The law is like that, isn't it? It is. That's right. Uh, virginity is recommended by the adversaries. Virginity is recommended, but to those who have... Uh, well, it is recommended, just generally, he says, but to those who have the gift, as been, has been said above. Uh, however, it is a most deadly error to hold that evangelical perfection lies in human traditions. In this way, even the monks of the Muslims could brag that they have evangelical perfection. Neither is virginity part of the things called adiaphora, because God's kingdom is righteousness and life in hearts, Romans fourteen seventeen. Perfection is growth in the fear of God, growth in confidence in the mercy promised in Christ, and growth in devotion to one's calling. Paul also also describes perfection this way. <clears throat> Quote, We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.18 He does not say we are continually receiving another hood or other sandals or other girdles. It is regrettable that such Pharisaic, indeed Muslim, expressions should be read and heard in the church. For they say the perfection of the gospel and Christ's kingdom, which is eternal life, should be wed along with these foolish observances about vestments and similar trifles. Pastor Wood, how is Melanchthon here comparing what the Roman Catholic defenders of monasticism, as it was practiced, how are they like the Pharisees of the New Testament or like the Muslims uh, in their understanding of perfection? Well, they understand that perfection is attainable. Okay. Is, is, the, is the first problem. Um, what do they think perfection consists in? Works. Things and commitments and things that you can do completely completely unattached from faith okay. you see and this is why Melanchthon makes the claim that that uh, uh, under their understanding a uh, muslim could att- attain perfection as well because if it is all about what the virginity yeah, yeah if it is all about the vow if it is all about the behavior then of course m- muslims can have behavior <laughs> they can be very dedicated. They, right. they they have they can have all of the behaviors that that Christians have. What's different about a Muslim and a Christian, though? Belief in Christ, specifically his deity, his death, his resurrection for the forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. Right now, the Catholic Church still defends this type of teaching. There's this anonymous Christian, Christian. idea where if if a non-Christian, a Muslim, or any other non-believer does this, the best that right, is within him. Right. God might work anonymously and 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 have a relationship through a non-believer with his you know might reveal directly to the conscience of that that non-believer and as long as the God might give them grace to do things and as long as as long as they can point to some of those things then they can hold out 
how however uncertain some hope but it goes it it erases the need for Christ yeah it, now, now Melanchthon here contrasts what the monastic life saw as growth in Christian perfection, like getting another hood, a monastic hood or something. He says there is such a thing as growth in Christian perfection, but it doesn't consist in these outward trifles. He says there is a real growth in Christian perfection, but either one of you, what does it consist in? Well, it, it consists in, and I think this is this brings us back to the pure gospel, is that... Um, uh, like I teach the kids in our religion classes. So, are you holy? Well, yes, you're Christian. By faith in Christ, you are holy. So there is perfection in what Christ has given to us, which is total righteousness, total perfection. And by faith, we receive that. And so where growth does exist is the confidence of knowing and understanding everything that Christ has already done mm-hmm. for me. Stronger and, faith and then mm-hmm. the fruits that flow from it. Exactly. And that's why he says the growth and confidence and the mercy promised in Christ. So the the mercy is already there. It's not that our mercy is getting better, right? right. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not that, that I'm going to get more righteousness right. coming from God. No, it is total 100% complete perfection gift that is given right. to us by faith in Jesus so Christ. So on the one hand, we're already 100% perfect exactly. by Christ's righteousness as purely passive. And at the same time, as a Christian, there is growth right. in perfection in a certain mm-hmm. way. How so, Pastor Wood? Well, I get better at... Th- I'm, I am much more faithful in my devotional life now than I was when I was in high school. Okay. Right Now, I, <laughs> I got a long way to go. Right, uh, I could definitely be reading the scriptures more, praying more fervently. But I, but I'm, I'm better than I used to be in that area. So thanks there, be to God. Thanks be to God. Right, yeah. right. The, the the spirit at work through the scriptures bringing me to that place. So I mean, there are ways you can measure that. Wow, I used to be in a dark place. At you know, people say, man, I was a, I was a, a, a wild, wild kid in yeah. high school. Yeah. Right. And then I started going to church, and I got my life together. You'll hear some people say, well, God's gift, is that's God's gift to help you get better. But that getting better is not the foundation of right. our relationship with God. And you dare not put your boast in that. Right. And what right. most people mean by that is, I've, I've just gotten my life more orderly. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just, I'm getting my act together. I'm not being hung over all day long right. on Saturday, just, <laughs> just till 10 or 11. Right. All right. Very good. Uh, Let's go to paragraph 28. Now here are Areopagites. He's using that term mockingly as excellent teachers. Now here are Areopagites on what an unworthy declaration they have recorded in the confutation. They say, and here Melanchthon's quoting from the Roman Catholic confutation, quote, It has been clearly declared in the Holy Scriptures that the monastic life merits eternal life if maintained by a due observance, which by the grace of God any monk can maintain. And indeed, Christ has promised this much more abundant to those who have left Homer brothers, and so on. Matthew nineteen twenty nine. Now here in this quote from the from the confutation, um, do the adversaries here praise God's grace, Pastor Sell? Well uh, They say which by the grace of God any monk can maintain. Well, 
No, they don't, because they confuse law and gospel. Explain. Uh, so, so in other words, when they say it has been declared that the monastic life merits eternal life if maintained by a due observance, there you have it. That if you're actually following through on your monastic orders, on the promises, on the vows that you've made, well, that's part of gaining your way into salvation. It's meriting. It's saying, I'm taking, by doing this, I'm actually continuing to climb the ladder to get to heaven. Yeah. And that's what destroys it all. So, no, they're not at all. Um, and, they're and they're then, paying lip service to grace. Pastor well, they Lord. have a totally different understanding of grace. Of grace. So, for, so, God, according to the Catholic Catechism, according to the Catholic view, God gives you grace to do something. To then... To then, to then points. do something. right? And so you, you measure how much grace God has given you by how much you have done. So they'll say, yes, I did such and such by grace, but such and such still is the measurement. Does that make sense? So God yeah. gave me grace to raise five kids, or God gave me grace to be a priest or, or whatever, but that the, the doing and the being is still being used to measure the grace and Lutherans and scripture say that grace is a complete shift in paradigm grace in the right that is given to us in the righteousness of Christ completely destroys works mm -hmm. works don't measure anything anymore they and, never did really right exactly they, they don't the works don't measure anything and it is purely the righteousness of Christ that you are being given by grace freely mm-hmm Anything Jesus else is holiness that's totally right. given to you. Anything else is is wages. That's what right. Paul constantly and, and says. And this ties into it, it's why uh, under, a proper understanding of original sin is so important because mm -hmm. the grace that they're talking about is the natural spark that's in every created human being. Mm -hmm. Or and, or the church will give you, God will give you some grace through the sacraments and the and the the ministry of the church no, 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 like no, no, a booster no, no. shot. No, don't even go there. But they do they do say that. They do say that, but that's that's not where the problem started. Mm -hmm. you, you know, I'm just saying yeah. for, you know, first cause things so to sure. speak. So that in in the first place, the reason why they got they they went off on this road is cuz it starts with conception. At the conception of the child, there's an infused grace already. There's that spark of d the divine being that exists in every uh, person who's ever born. And that's where they build all the things that we've been talking about. To do that about which is within you. Mm -hmm. To do that, with, right, which is why grace suddenly is all about wanting to take that divine spark of grace that every human being has. That's why they end up with being able to hold hands with uh, Muslims, and that's why Muslims get brought up in here, mm -hmm. because they're going, they went down that road already. Yeah. Yeah. They already went down that road to say that all human beings have this divine grace. You know, the them. question, is the Pope Catholic? It used to be a joke, but I mean, when Pope Francis now is is saying, yeah, God likes created the Muslim religion all this, he actually is being kind of Catholic, isn't he? Yeah. You know, is that, that, that uh, to do that which is within you. Uh, yeah. Let's go on to uh, paragraph 29. Uh, just one go more ahead. thing. And, and in light of that, that's why... That's why the the logical conclusion is like the current pope. He's a Marxist. Mm -hmm. That's where you have to go with this. You have to go in to that whole Marxist, socialist kind of thinking. 
because that's the only way to take care of all humanity. And that's how their whole works righteousness gets built, is is from that initial misunderstanding of what sin truly is. And this okay. anonymous Christian mm-hmm. belief that Pastor Wood brought up that right. Carl Rahner popularized. All right, paragraph 29. These are the words of the adversaries in which it is first and said most rudely that the Holy Scriptures say that a monastic life merits eternal life. Where do the Holy Scriptures speak of a monastic life? He asks rhetorically, and expecting the answer, nowhere. <laughs> the adversaries plead their case this way, so men of no account quote the Scriptures. Although no one is ignorant that the monastic life is a recent creation, yet they quote the authority of Scripture and say, too, that their decree has been clearly declared in the scriptures. Let me go on to 30 through 33 here in the time that we have remaining. Besides, they dishonor Christ when they say that men merit eternal life by monasticism. Not even to his law has God assigned the honor that it should merit eternal life. As he clearly says in Ezekiel, I gave them statutes that were not good and rules by which they could not have life. Uh, First, it is certain that a monastic life does not merit the forgiveness of sins, but we receive this freely through faith, as has been said above. Second, for Christ's sake, through mercy, eternal life is granted to those who, through faith, receive forgiveness and do not apply their own merits against God's judgment, as Bernard also says with great force, quote, it is necessary, first of all, to believe that you cannot have the forgiveness of sins except by God's good will. Second, you cannot have any good work unless he has given it. Finally, you cannot merit eternal life by works unless this also is freely given, end quote. We have quoted above the rest of the passage, which, spe- which speaks in the same way. Furthermore, Bernard adds at the end, quote, Let no one deceive himself, because if he will reflect well, he will undoubtedly find that with 10,000 he cannot meet him, namely God, who comes against him with 20,000. We do not merit the forgiveness of sins or eternal life by the works of the divine law, but it is necessary to seek the mercy promised in Christ. The honor of meriting the forgiveness of sins or eternal life cannot be assigned to monastic observances, once they are, since they are mere human traditions. What is the point that Melanchthon is making by quoting a Bernard here, Pastor Wood? Well, one of, the, one of the things he's doing kind of behind the scenes is he's saying, look, our opinion <laughs> that, or the Scripture's truth, our, our interpretation of the Scriptures here is not new. Yeah. The, this is who is this Bernard? I don't know. It was but, Bernard yeah. of Clairvaux, mm-hmm. who lived in the early 1100s. Right. Okay. Yeah. So we, we're not inventing something right. new. So mm-hmm. we're quoting some respected person right. from church mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what, I mean, even today, if you can quote your enemies in defense of something you, right? It's, right. A, it's a great rhetorical tactic. Because the Roman adversaries yeah. would, would say, oh, yeah, we, we like Bernard of Clairvaux. Right. Mm-hmm. In fact, the juiciness of this quote is, on monastic vows, Bernard himself was the abbot of a monastic order. Mm-hmm. I think this is so delicious that that uh, Melanchthon would quote the abbot of a monastic order against how the Roman church was pushing monasticism. Right. Because Bernard is saying it's purely what Christ has done for us, not mm-hmm. by our works. Any thoughts more on that, Pastor Sell? 
No, that pretty much says that all right. Yeah, yeah. So it's I pure like, forgiveness. Right. And to wrap this up, then I think uh, paragraph uh, thirty-four: uh, those who teach that the monastic life merits the forgiveness of sins or eternal life, and transfer the confidence owed Christ to these foolish observances, completely suppress the gospel about the free forgiveness of sins and the promised mercy in Christ, which is to be grasped. Instead of Christ, they worship their own hoods and their own filth. But since even they need mercy, they act wickedly by inventing works of supererogation and selling them to others. Supererogation means like over and above right. bonus points. My bucket's full here. You can have some. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Pastor, Pastor Cell, where alone... We realize we need forgiveness of sins. We need eternal life. Where are we not going to find it? And where is the only place where we do find it? Well, we find it in Christ, and it comes only through the, the, the means by which he gives it, which is the word of God, baptism, and the Lord's Supper. It, it, it comes through there. Because um, I think sometimes people fall even into almost a monastic trap when we try to look even inside our hearts when we say, "Well, I want to, you know, I want, I want to look inside myself to try to figure out what do I really think," and and Luther is consistently telling people, "Get out of yourself," mm-hmm. and this is where what justification is really all about. That's the only way to come to real repentance. What what has Christ done for us that we find justification in what in His gospel? Well, He lived our, He lived our entire lives for us, and so you have His His you know His activity of His life that was He fulfilled the law exactly exchanged in our stead completely. Then He paid for the sins of the whole world, took on the guilt of everyone who's ever lived, and then He conquered Satan through all this and rose from the dead. So it's His whole entire. Uh, as we refer to it as active and passive obedience. So his sacrificial his death on the cross, he suffered the punishment that we deserve? Exactly. And then because he is the Son of God, that's sufficient for all mankind, and he rose in victory over sin and death, and all those who trust in him, his righteousness is placed in our bank account. Yeah, exactly. And so when you, when you stop and think about that, it is Christ's holiness that's poured into our faith. That's why we could say, by faith, I am holy. Now, Pastor Wood, in the couple minutes we have remaining, is monasticism, in let's call it neo-monasticism, can that still exist in the church today, the same sort of attitude or spirit? Yeah, the same attitude can come up with the, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm being a good Christian unless I'm volunteering or unless I, I get to do A, some, B, some or C, religious some sort church of thing. going to church and attending the services and hearing the word and receiving the forgiveness in the sacraments isn't good enough. I need to be doing more. We got to go to meetings every night right. in church, even right. though we're neglecting our kids right. or, 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 mm-hmm. or neglecting our right. God-given vocation. Mm-hmm. That's a type of neo-monasticism. Right. And the, the, the confessions want us to be confident in Christ. Our confidence always is in Christ, never Well, that's a great last word from you, Pastor Wood, before you go off on your missionary journey in Indonesia. Thank you, Pastor Sell, as well. Uh, you've all been listening to Concord, Ma- uh, Concord Matters here on Worldwide KFUO.